What's up, guys? Welcome to Flashback Wrestling, presented by WrestlingExaminer.com. I'm your host, Wesley Avendano. How did you guys like last week's episode, Ahmed Johnson, the Pearl River Powerhouse, one of the brightest shining stars of the WWF's new generation and early into the Attitude Era? If you guys have not checked that episode out yet, please do so on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, and WrestlingExaminer.com. And again, thank you to my guest, Adam Harris, from the Twitter page, at Creating Heat, for coming on last week and crushing it. Uh, as for this week, we're going to talk a little bit about the one, two, three kid, Sean Waltman. Sean Waltman is a follower, so shout out to him. Big fan. Um, obviously, he had a great career as X-Pac. He even had a run in WCW as an NWO member, a six, six-pac. Uh, but today we're going to focus just on his time as the 123 Kid. My guest, Joe Clark, the director of the Rob Van Dam documentary Headstrong, is here to talk to me a little bit about the 123 Kid. But before we hop into that, i got to do a couple of things. The first one, you guys should already know, is remind you guys to check out Power Slam TV. Power Slam TV is the awesome streaming service that lets you stay caught up with all your favorite indie promotions. Indie wrestling is going through a renaissance right now. It is at its peak, so do not fall behind. Stay caught up with all your favorite promotions. And if you use the promo code FLASHBACK, you get to try it out for 30 days free before you even buy it. You cannot beat that value. So once again, Power Slam TV, enter the promo code FLASHBACK. The next thing we got to do, guys, is we got to get social. Um, just a little bit of, a, of an announcement, a heads up, I guess. Um, we're going to be going. I know I just came off a break, but we're going to be going through a little bit of a change. As you guys already know, I've already let a lot of you guys know, my wife and I are expecting our first child. And with that, there's going to be a lot of um, busy times, man. I'm, I'm not going to lie. It's, it's our first child and I want to be there to appreciate all the good moments and all the important stuff. So for that reason, we're not, the podcast is not going away. Don't worry. I already went away once, but it is going to be toned down a little bit. Um, I've been giving you guys weekly podcast i did it for 52 straight weeks and i'm going to do it for these next you know these this last arc two but after that we're going to go to once a month once a month i'm going to give you the absolute best podcast that i can possibly give you we're still going to do you know basically the same format still going to try to get social with you guys i'll still be active on the social medias at flashback wrestling on instagram at fbw podcast on twitter it's just that we're going to slow it down just a little bit uh for my sake and for my newborn baby's sake and for my wife's sake um, so just a heads up guys, it's going to be happening after the, the new generation arc. So just remember, just cause I'm not there. Don't mean that I'm not going to be back. We'll be back. Just keep an eye out. That's all we'll say about that. Um, but let's get social now, guys. Now that we got all that out the way, that, that awkward business, let, let's, let's see what happened and see what you guys have to say on Instagram and, and Twitter. So the first clip that we're going to talk about this week, guys, is a clip of Coco Beware and Frankie cutting a promo um saying that he feels good and then you know just basically a generic promo that he cut um i can't believe coco beware was not a bigger star and i know i say this about a lot of people so i'm sure i sound like a broken record but i think coco could have definitely been like an ic champ or i mean if he would have been there just a little bit later on he could definitely could have been a european champ uh but i felt he was definitely underutilized and i know you guys have probably heard the old adage and i have too uh, if Coco was only six inches taller, he would have been such a huge main event star. Could have been the next second coming of, of the Junkyard Dog. Uh, but here's what you guys have to think of, say about that this clip. Uh, King Lowe says, 
he should have been the Intercontinental Champion at least. And I definitely agree with that, bro. Uh, Scorpy from the 80s says, oh man, the Birdman is still a legend. He was entertaining before he entered the ring. Uh, Coco Beware, one of my all-time favorites, faux show. And I agree, man. Coco was definitely entertaining before he entered the ring, and the guy could go inside the ring as well. Uh, Martin Lawson says, should have been the tag team champ with high energy. And I definitely agree with that, dude. Him and Owen were an awesome team. It's a shame that they didn't last uh, a little bit longer and, and didn't achieve a little bit more. Uh, JMT Flick says, looking back, that's crazy. Doing promos with a bird on your shoulder and uh, 100 emoji. And that's super impressive, guys. I mean, fuck, there's motherfuckers who can't cut a promo nowadays with nothing on their shoulder. Could you imagine having to cut a, a, an awesome promo with a bird on your fucking shoulder with a parrot? That's, that's impressive, man. Shout out to Coco for that. Um, Chris W0611 says, I liked his theme music, Frankie, and his dropkick from the top rope. Besides that, I really wasn't a fan of Coco. Well, fuck, dude. You like three elements of him. His fucking theme music. You like his burn, and you like, you know, one of at least one of his fucking maneuvers. Sounds like you might have been a Coco fan. But I'm not going to hate on you, bro. I appreciate the comment. And finally, uh, it's Chuck Lott says, that was Woods before Woods was Woods. Uh, yeah, man, I, I'm a huge New Day fan, and, and, and Woodsy has a little bit of, of, of some cocoa in him, I guess, maybe. I, I don't know. Co cocoa was just definitely, definitely entertaining, man, and, and I thought he should have achieved one. The next post we're going to talk about, guys, is a picture of the Texas Tornado Kerry Von Eric posing with the WWF Intercontinental title. Uh, it's an awesome pig. It makes, you know, Kerry look like a champ. It makes the title belt look beautiful. Um, and I said in the caption that, you know, I wish Kerry would have gone to WWE a little bit sooner, obviously before the amputation. Um, and I just wish things would have been a little bit different because Kerry, in my opinion, had all the tools to be a top guy in the business and, and, and a, a world champion. Obviously, he was already NWA world champion, but even a WWF world champion. And he deserved a long reign in the NWA, too. Um, and here's what you guys have to say about that post. Fabian Nunez 22 says he did. He, sh he should have been the face of WWE. And, of course, him and Perfect again feud for the WWF championship. Come on. Epic, in my opinion. Yeah, man, him and Perfect for the WWF Championship, that would have definitely been something. Mr. Debuzi says, saw him body slam King Kong Bundy in Homa, Louisiana. That's awesome, dude. That must have been quite the fucking sight. All Diggity Don says, that division was blazing. Bring back the black strap. Uh, that's that's a great point, dude. The division was awesome in, back in the day. There was definitely a lot of contenders for the Intercontinental Championship. And I like the white strap, but I'm kind of, I think I might be there with you, dude. It might be time to alternate back to the black strap and see what that looks like. Thomas Scott 12 says, I don't know. He had a lot of demons to deal with. And being in a WCAW, being in Texas, the Von Eric country gave him, I'm sorry, WCCW, being in Texas, the Von Eric country gave him his family nothing but push after push. Too little, too much hype. Um, I don't know, man. I obviously... When your father owns the, the territory and when he's the booker, you're going to get a little bit of preferential treatment. But I also think that Kerry had the tools. Devon Aaron, uh, Kevin, Kerry, and David had what it took to be, you know, to, to be stars. Uh, no disrespect to the other Von Erics, but those three, they might have been helped out by their dad being the booker for sure. I mean, I'm not going to lie and, and act like they weren't, but those guys were definitely big-time stars regardless. And I think Kerry was the prize, uh, the prize bull out of all of those. That's at least my opinion. Haitian man says he was so over in Texas. And I remember him versus Hogan in those dream matches in the magazines. Him versus Hogan, uh, Kerry Von Eric at his peak versus peak Hulk Hogan in the 80s. Easily a dream match, dude. People would have paid money at the Wahoo to see that shit. Tex Fury says it was more like if he'd, gave, if he'd stayed clean. There was very little he could not have achieved there. 
He had all those tools and opportunities to be a main event star. Yeah, man, sadly, I hate to shit on him, you know, speak ill of the dead, but, I mean, a lot of it was his own doing. But, man, it would have been awesome to see him, you know, fuck, dude. Could you imagine if it wouldn't have been Warrior, if it would have been Kerry? That would have been something, dude, because Kerry could actually cut a promo and could actually go in the ring. Pint Boy Brooklyn says, They said David was the better worker and did better promos out of the family, but I also think Kerry and Kevin uh, were second and third. Uh, just great. Um, and then finally, Modern Day Sean says, I rooted for this guy big time. I lived in Texas too at that time. Oh, I'm sorry, that's not the final one. This is the final one right here. Uh, Rob DeWaldron says, he did, but that era you had the pukester trying to stop anyone else who was stealing his show. Um, I just had to finish off with that one because, you know, I, I like to rib Hulk Hogan and throw a little fucking shade and stir the pot here and there. But, I mean... Yeah, I don't know, man. A fucking uh, a clean and, you know, fully limbed Kerry Von Erich at his peak. He made it to WWE a little earlier. He might have been fucking competition for the Hulkster. Hogan might have been having to play the political game a little bit more to keep Kerry out of the spotlight, man. But obviously, that's not how things worked out. Unfortunately, that's not how things worked out. Um, and Kerry is one of those tragedies along with the rest of his family in professional wrestling, man. Probably the most tragic tale uh most tragic legend because at this point they're legendary um, in professional wrestling but guys that's going to wrap up let's get social for this week remember to follow me on social media at flashback wrestling on instagram at fbw podcast on twitter and jump in on this conversation because only because i'm going to once a month right now does not mean i'm still not going to be on the social media pages and the conversation is still going there so make sure you guys do not miss it all right guys sit tight for just one second and i'll be back with my guest joe clark and we're going to talk a little bit about the one two three kids All right, guys, it's time for this week's special interview, making his return to the podcast one more time. One of my favorite guests. Please welcome back director, filmmaker, overall awesome dude, big time wrestling fan and a friend of mine, Joe Clark. Joe, what's going on, man? Hey, Wesley, man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Nah, dude, I'm glad you're able to come on and, and join me, dude. This is, it's always fun to, to chat with you, and especially this era, this kind of era. This is you know, my favorite era of pro wrestling, the, the WWF's new generation, and you know, it's the one, two, three kid, one of my faves. So I, I figured I got to have Joe on and you know, have a fun <laughs> chat, dude. Hey, man, before we hop into everything, you know, get the formalities out of the way and all that stuff, um, what's been going on with you, dude? You're a busy guy, man. Ever since the documentary, ever since the RVD documentary, um, Headstrong, you've, you've, been, you've just been crushing it, man. What's, what's on the horizon? <laughs> yeah, so uh, we still have that movie out. I actually uh, I ran into Brian Kendrick in the airport on Friday. And anytime I run into a wrestler, I chill Headstrong immediately. And uh, I'm still surprised that uh, I feel like a lot of wrestlers still even haven't heard of it. So um, I, I think there's a lot of room to grow still. So... I wholeheartedly recommend people checking out Headstrong. It's a really cool documentary. It's on iTunes, Google Play, Vudu, Amazon. Uh, and then also, yeah, I'm working on my first uh, L.A. indie movie, and I'm really excited about that. Uh, I'm sure you know growing up here that it's a pretty crazy city, so that was a big bucket list item for me it is to kind of make a, my first movie here. So uh, between those two things um, and just kind of living in L.A., it's uh, a busy life. Yes, dude. Doing big things, Joe. That's what I'm talking about, man. I'm <laughs> definitely looking forward to your first film, bro, to your first uh, L.A. indie film. That should be should be awesome for sure. And, yeah, guys, make sure you guys are checking out Headstrong. I cannot recommend it any more highly than I do. Um, awesome. Appreciate that. 
Always, dude, always. Hey, man, let's talk a little bit about the one, two, three kid, dude. Um, were you a big fan of the one, two, three kid growing up? I was, yeah. I think uh, I want to say we're both the same age, and so um, that was he hit like in the prime time of our childhood, and uh, I feel like he was so different and ahead of his time because uh, he didn't have the body that you know the 80s wrestlers did and so he was the first one that i saw from a really really young age that the speed and versatility and just aerial maneuvers really uh caught my attention for sure dude i definitely echo those 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 thoughts man um before we jump into the main interview dude let me shoot you and the and especially the listeners a couple of fun facts things that i found interesting when i was doing my research of, of of sean waltman the one two three kid um he was trained by Boris Malenko, Joe Malenko, uh, Masami Soronaka, and Carl Gotch. So he's got good roots, man, and, and, and an interesting combination of trainers too. Uh, <laughs> super interesting thing or super like crazy thing that happened to him. November of 92, he's uh, still on the indie scene at a WWA show. Uh, he's wrestling, ironically enough, wrestling a guy named the Kamikaze Kid, Bill Wilcox. Uh, he's... He suicide dives, uh, Wilcox suicide dives uh, outside, and he hits uh, Waltman in the head uh, on the concrete, causing a brain clot near his brain, dude. Uh, he was out for a few minutes. He's in the hospital for weeks, months even. Uh, he even got advised to quit, and obviously he doesn't, which I thought was crazy, dude. I, I, I had no idea before doing the, the research that he was you know, that close to, to not having a career. Um, two, two more fun facts. Only man to ever hold the WWE and WCW Cruiserweight Championships uh, uh, concurrently. Uh, cool. And he's also the only man to ever hold the WWE Cruiserweight Championship, the WCW Cruiserweight Championship, and the TNA X Division Championship. Uh, so that's a super uh, awesome accomplishment uh, for all th- in between all those three companies. And the last thing is uh, he was actually part of the New Japan uh Best of the Juniors tournament in 1993. He he was up there with the likes of Benoit, Guerrero, Liger, and a bunch of other New Japan stars at the time. I thought that was fucking crazy, especially considering how huge New Japan is, you know, nowadays. Um, but it just yeah, yeah you're making me want to go watch uh, some of those matches. Now I'm gonna go check them out. Yeah, man, it's I think it's so crazy how like because it wasn't in our like in our consciousness at the time, we didn't really think about Japan like as as wrestling fans back then especially us dude because yeah we're pretty much the same age and 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 we were kids back then um but so so many great stars went through new japan even back then you know what i'm saying and we're part of these great tournaments like i I just named benoit guerrero oh and hart wasn't was it was a junior back in the day he was even the the iwgp junior heavyweight champion so i think it's it's, it's, sometimes it's like a mind fuck to me when i go back and, and 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 see the see the names that were involved in some of these you know new japan tournaments and shit like that back in the day Oh, yeah. And uh, I actually I just watched a Hogan match in Japan last week. And I got to say, I was pretty impressed. He was doing some pretty cool moves and he even had some like chain wrestling moments. And so, uh, yeah, totally. And uh, completely side note, I'm actually I've been getting really interested into Japan just as a, a place to go visit. And so I'm kind of like trying to make things happen to go the, to Wrestle Kingdom. No idea if I will, but uh, just, uh, yeah, I, I've been really into uh, New Japan lately. I think it's, uh, especially in the history of it, it's pretty interesting because it was outside of that uh, bubble that we were so accustomed to. Oh, yeah, absolutely, dude. I don't give a fuck. We'll spin off a little bit about New Japan. I don't care. This, this is my podcast. You're one of my favorite <laughs> guests, bro. Let's do it. Let's spin off a little bit about New Japan. I was actually in a similar boat, dude. I got in. I, I, um, 
was aware of New Japan, but it wasn't. It's been like maybe what five, four or five years to where I've actually been like hardcore, hardcore into New Japan. Um, and yeah, dude, it's it's a different world. Once you open it up, you're just like, holy shit! Like, there's a different history that goes along with it. And then nowadays, you know, so much cool stuff is happening. Uh, shout out to Kota Ibushi, just won the just won the G one climax. Um, it's it, it's super awesome, dude. And, and the fact that you're even thinking about going to Japan and maybe going to the to, to the Wrestle Kingdom that's that's dope, dude. I'm I'm jealous, bro. I'm jealous. <laughs> well, I keep thinking maybe I should go to WrestleMania before Wrestle Kingdom. I think that's kind of a backwards thing, but um, we'll see, man. We will see. Oh no, definitely, bro. I, I, either way, either way, you're 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 going. You're making a good choice either way, bro. WrestleMania or Wrestle Kingdom. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, right, but, oh, awesome. go ahead. Go go ahead. Well, I was going to say, too, um, uh, I feel like Sean Wallman's had some pretty uh, gnarly injuries. I remember, uh, didn't he, like, tear his asshole when he tried uh, for a Bronco Buster a couple years ago? Yes, yes, that he is actually the That's guy. insane. <laughs> that, fuck, that actually did happen to him, believe it or not. One, two, three kid has had some pretty bad injuries. And he also broke his neck, dude. He's, so he's had, oh, that's right. So he's had some pretty gnarly injuries. Well, he probably had to overcome, sure. you know, like I said, the size. So he probably felt obligated to bump his ass off from a really early age. Oh, for sure, dude. I, I definitely agree with that. Um, and speaking of early age, 1993, dude, his career starts. And ironically enough, like I said, the Kamikaze Kid is the guy that, that injured him originally and almost ended his career prematurely. He debuts as the Kamikaze Kid uh, in May of 1993. Loses his debut match to Doink. Uh, goes on to change his name a couple of times. Becomes the Cannonball Kid, uh, the Lightning Kid, and then just the Kid at one point. And as just the Kid, May seventeenth, nineteen ninety-three, perhaps, arguably, the biggest upset in WWF history. The one-two-three Kid is born after the Kid manages to pull off the upset victory over at the time a heel Razor Ramon. Um, everybody starts chanting one, two, three. That thing kind of starts to happen. You know, it, 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 his name comes organically, which I thought was fucking awesome. Um, two questions for you, dude. Which name do you pre- did you prefer? Did you prefer the Kamikaze Kid, the Lightning Kid, the Cannonball Kid, the Kid, or the one, two, three Kid? Uh, definitely one, two, three Kid. Like you said, um, just how organic it all um, came together, I think, is a big thing. But also, it's just. Um, I feel like it's such a unique name. I've never heard of a wrestler name like that, that uh, it's so unique and it uh, it's so natural just to say it, that uh, it rolls off the tongue, you know, the one, two, three kid. I think that that's uh, just about the, the best name that it was the best fit, I think, for him at that time. Yeah, dude, definitely. I'm right there with you. Like some about like the kid or even like the cannonball kid or the lightning kid, kamikaze kid, like that all sounds like, pro like two pro wrestling if that makes any sense like kind of cheesy pro wrestling mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying where like mm-hmm. as the one two three kid it's still super like it's super descriptive it's pro wrestling related but it's unique at the same time and it's got its own thing like it worked for him bro i i loved it i, I was a big fan of the name and obviously the chant was huge the, the people love just chanting one two three yeah it, it makes him a huge huge star um second question i have for you dude the razor match, bro. What, what do you remember about that match? If at, if anything at all, because I know it happens, you know, 93, you must've been what, four or five. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, we're, we're, we're still a little young at this point, but it's a moment that's been replayed so many times throughout, you know, throughout our childhood, growing up throughout the attitude era, even though they were in rival companies, I still remember seeing highlights of, you know, the kid defeating razor 
on WWF programming and stuff like that. It's it's you know been hammered into our minds as probably the biggest upset in Monday Night Raw history for sure and in in WWF history. So what do you remember about it? Yeah, I, uh, I I knew when we were doing this episode that this question would come up, and so I've been thinking about that. And you hit the nail right on the head. Like I've seen the replay so many times that the more I try and backtrack it in my mind. Uh, I don't know, and I can't remember if I saw it live or not, but I feel like it's been so ingrained in me that I do remember it happening. Whether or not I saw it you know, specifically live, I'm not sure, but um, I like as soon as you say it, a match like that and the biggest upset, you automatically think of this match. And I think that's really powerful. And I also think of, you know, the moonsault spot where he goes back and he grabs the pin and the celebration, like... It's become uh, such an iconic moment that arguably it made his entire career, you know, especially because it wasn't uh, being done that much. And especially because of WWE's land of, you know, big bodies that the fact that it did happen um, proves that everything kind of came together, like you said, organically to create this really big event. Oh, for sure, dude. The crazy thing about about the one, two, three kid was always like he you mean it's always been the land of the giants and it still kind of is but in that era it was like you had sean and you had brett but even you know they were they were small but they weren't slight you know what i'm saying like they weren't scrawny. i don't want to say scrawny because he wasn't scrawny like he was scrawny for compared to the guys he was standing next to uh so i think that's just what the crazy what the crazy appeal was to the one two three kid and like you said that moonsault spot and then just his his whole his whole moveset man it was so it was so just ahead of its time and and the way he moved in the ring, every, everything about it, dude, the, I, I loved it. He was He's always been one of my favorites. Um, be, between him, being him and being X-Pac, like, it, I don't know, man. It's, to me, it was it, he's one of the most underrated performers that, that WWE's ever had. And I think it's only because of the era he came in. Had he, you know, he, he, somebody had to be first through the, through the wall, you know what I'm saying? And he definitely wasn't the first, but he was one of the pioneers for, for smaller guys, for the Daniel Bryans. And like guy you just you mentioned earlier, Brian Kendrick, you know, it's just these guys that aren't 6'4", you know, 275 pounds and shit. The, this is, the, you know, one of the poster boys for that. Well, uh, I feel like it's misleading, too, at how small Brett and Sean were because, like, I've seen some behind-the-scenes videos of them in 96 with, like, different cameras, and if you... They're actually pretty big guys, and so I think relative to them, yeah, like, uh, one, two, three, kid especially was uh, pretty scrawny, actually, you know? But, like, that was cool because I was a pretty scrawny kid, and he looked like a really young kid, and so I think he was just, like... Um, uh, somebody perfect to look up to at that age range. And uh, it's interesting because when I think back in my memory, one, two, three kid and X-Pac, I knew they were the same person, but they were such different characters and at such different points that I almost considered them two different people in a way. And so uh, I actually think that, uh, yeah, he was underrated. And um, I wish that, obviously, I'm sure we'll talk about it. He had that really great match with Brett. But I thought he had a higher ceiling as a one, two, three kid. I could have seen him going uh, even farther, maybe even up to like uh, WWF champion at the time. Dude, it's crazy. First of all, that you mentioned that uh, w- the thing about him and Xbox, because I I feel the exact same way. It's like I know I always knew they were the same person. Like you know, you just look at them and you know it's the same person. But 
they're like two different performers to me for sure. Like definitely, like I I I choose to live in kayfabe for that. <laughs> like I love, and then the crazy thing is like I love them both. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm a huge Xbox fan and I'm a huge One Two Three Kid fan, but there's such departures from each other that just like one of them I like to keep on this. You know what I'm saying? Like it's weird. It's it's so fucking weird. But I I definitely know what you're saying. And bro, it's crazy that you're saying what you're saying because I honestly feel the exact same way. Um, I don't I don't know how how it would play out obviously nowadays but i just feel like nowadays he would be so like i can't i couldn't imagine a guy like that with the popularity that he had and the following that he had um and even the the if you think about it the political connections that he had behind the scenes like right I, it, it's crazy to think that a guy like that was never like ic champ or like it, it it you know what i'm saying like even that much of a threat for the for the main event like he gets a little closer to it as x-pac don't get me wrong like he main events a couple of like um uh raws and stuff like that with kane and you know being part of a tag team and dx and all that shit but as the one two three kid for like i said for as iconic as that character ended up becoming for the new generation man he never really is taken seriously as a as a competitor or as like or as a character really like Vince, it was almost like he gave him a push because he had to give him a push, like because he was just so over. But he never was really focused on making him, you know, uh, on elevating him. If that makes any sense. No, totally. And um, I think it's it would have worked perfect because I think he was just an amazing underdog, and it was just so easy to root for him. But uh, I guess you could argue too that even Vince letting him beat Razor Ramon was uh an unheard of push by that year's standards so um technically he was already on the cutting edge and i think we're looking back on it 25 years later saying oh he should have been chan-. like if it was today he probably would be but it would have been so fun to see what that would have looked like back in 93 94 95 oh yeah you you're right for sure first of all you you're, you're definitely right we are just shitting on vince in hindsight because like you said he, some he was the guy that booked it in the fucking first place you know what i'm right. saying he, he's the one that went through and, and pulled that trigger so we're, we're definitely i'm definitely shitting on him um in hindsight <laughs> but you know so i just think it would have been awesome to see um i mean don't get don't let me you know bury the lead though like he, he did have a little bit of a push obviously he said he does beat razor uh he wins the tag team championships with marty Janetti, defeats the quebecers uh for a week in january of 94 the quebecers get it back um like you already mentioned critically acclaimed match with bret hart on on monday night raw um for the wwf championship takes brett to his limit Brett makes him look like a million bucks. Um, it's crazy to think that, like, n- I, I don't know, like, I don't want to say nothing came out of that, but it's, like, really the high point of his career is that match with Brett. as the one, two, three kid, at least. Uh, that character's high point is that match with Brett. And then after that, you know, like, he has a tag team title reign with with Bob Holly. They they win the titles at the 1995 Royal Rumble. They beat Tatanka and and Bam Bam. They use that as a setup for, um, for Bam Bam versus LT. Uh, but they only have it for a day, dude. They end up they end up losing it to the Smoking Guns the next night. Um, he goes on to turn heel after that. Shortly after that, on Razor joins the Million Dollar Corporation, um, and then shortly after that, dude, in May of of, of ninety six, he has his final match on TV with Savio Vega, and then that that's his final match on WWF television. He's he's gone after that. Uh, so it's kind of weird. Like Brett happens, and you, you would think that that'd be like. A momentum builder and something you could use to propel him to the next level you know ic title level kind of thing maybe even a king of the ring uh you know crown or something like that and it doesn't really happen it's crazy to think about that right totally that's what um i had that same thought of you know it's such a great match it shows the crowd was into him 
like in the least bit. I figured to give him an intercontinental title run, you know, but uh, for some reason that was his peak and in terms of that time period, you know, and uh, I'm not sure the reason that why that was, you know, I think that that's kind of a missed opportunity in a lot of ways. Uh, but at the same time, like I, that is one ma- Whereas I remember the razor match very well, vividly in my mind as a kid, I didn't remember the Brett match until I discovered it, you know, maybe five, six, seven years ago. And so that I feel like maybe it grew a life of its own and maybe it wasn't that big, but uh, I, that could just be my perspective as well. No, that's an interesting point, dude, because obviously that's one of the matches obviously I didn't see either. And by the time I heard of the match and was, you know, being able to go check it out myself, um, it had already had, you know, folklore behind it. You know what I'm saying? Like it already had this this urban myth kind of status right, to it. Yeah. Where it's just like, oh, well, this is a great match with the one, two, three kid and Bret Hart. So, you know, when once you're a little bit of a you have that little bit of an influence, like I could see why, you know, maybe I mean it is a great match. Don't get me don't get me wrong. Like watching it as as unbiasedly as I can, because Brett's my favorite ever and, and I love the one, two, three kid. Um as as unbiased as I can be, I still think it's a great match. But yeah, man, that's an interesting point. Maybe it just was, you know, like maybe it went down because, you know, not to compare too much, but like nowadays there's there's been some solid matches on Raw, you know what I'm saying? Like some even some great matches on Raw. And sometimes nothing comes from it, you know what I'm saying? So maybe that was just one of those scenarios where it was just, you know, a great match with two guys that would eventually become, well, Brett was already iconic, obviously, at that point, but uh, a guy that will become kind of like, you know, uh, uh, a folk hero or something like that, a uh, cult classic and, and the one two three kid and... 20 years later, maybe, you know, with, with nostalgia being added to it and all that, maybe it, it takes that match up a little bit. I don't know. but No, yeah, totally. I think that speaks to everyone looking back now is saying that because I think he was cutting edge and leading the way and paving the way for smaller wrestlers. But without the perspective and just being in that moment back then, um, it, it can kind of make sense. They probably thought, okay, we thought this was going to be a pretty good match, but then... It uh, it was actually pretty solid, but we still have plans for this, this, and this. And now looking back, we're especially like Daniel Bryan's been champion, Rey Mysterio. Uh, that had never been happened, so they probably weren't even thinking about it. Yeah, that's true, dude. That that was probably like the furthest thing from his mind. But to me, you know, like I don't know, man. Like fuck, I hate to always, you know, fantasy book or anything like that. But like '95. He could have been king of the ring in '95, you know what I'm saying? Like, or even you know, well, '94 was 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 Owen. '93 was Brett. '94 was Owen. But '95 was Mabel, dude. And I don't mean to shit on Mabel like that, but <laughs> like it could it could have been the kid. It could have been like it, I don't know, man. Like I, I just feel like been anybody else. Exactly, but definitely, but easily, the, you know what I'm saying? Like the one, two, three kid. He was that over at that point. But I don't know. Intercontinental. Well, I was gonna I say too. I think the I think my favorite match of his is the '94 one against Owen Hart at King of the Ring. I think that's one of the coolest match. And it's only like what four and a half minutes long. Oh yeah, that match is awesome, dude. Um, but it, it's so fast paced though. It's like I remember watching it, and I just I remember think like being excited watching it as a kid because I think we like had rented it or something like that. Because my brother and I used to used to rent uh, VHSs all the time. And uh, I remember renting it and, and just seeing it and being like, "Holy shit!" Like I know Owen wins, but I remember. Think I remember thinking like, damn, like that's just you. You don't you know it's so different. It was such a departure. Like usually you see Brett do shit like that, but usually when, when Brett was taking on guys like it was in the main event, they were a little bit bigger than him. You know what I'm saying? Like Yoko mm-hmm. wasn't doing that type of shit. There was no 
there was no chain wrestling with Yoko. You know what I'm saying? Like it was it was Brett getting his getting as as many as of, of offensive maneuvers in as he possibly could. But with, <laughs> with with Owen and with Owen and, and and the one two three kid, dude, it was so back and forth. I loved it, dude. Yeah, it was a great match, and uh, I mean that's the thing is. I love David Goliath, you know, that's like my favorite wrestling template match. So um, I, I, I always rooted for the for him because you wanted to see the upset win. And that's probably because his first match was a giant upset, you know. So, um, no, I think he, he did great. Um, looking back, probably could have gone higher, but given his limitations from you know management i he did great for what he was given yeah that's true dude i mean he he got the most out of, of out of what he could and he if, if anything at, at the minimum he created more opportunities for himself which he was able to capitalize on more later on down the line um let me ask you this before we uh, talk about the end of this career. What do you think about his heel turn, dude? Did did, did it? Because I just I don't know, man. Maybe it's because I like the character too much. It's just you know, and it's weird because I'm I'm usually a guy that pulls for heels more. Um, I'm more of a heel guy, uh, anyways. But I just I didn't feel his his heel turn, man. I don't know why. I just didn't like it. Maybe it was I didn't feel like he maybe needed the the million dollar corporation. I feel like he needed a mouthpiece, but not necessarily to be one of eight. You know what I'm saying with with DiBiase. But uh, what did you think about it? Yeah, um, that again, like that's the part of his career. I actually, I don't have too many memories of it, and um, I usually don't like to put you know that kind of emphasis. But it seems like um, if I, I consider myself a very avid wrestling fan, if I don't remember too much of it, it probably wasn't that memorable. But at the same time, like maybe you know that was just an attempt to just kind of shift, find some more depth, find some more personality out of him, but. Like I said, I feel like they left so much on the table as a baby face. Why would you even go for the heel turn to begin with? You know, that was you could have waited another five, six years before you did that. He could have all to be honest, he could have always been like Rey Mysterio, just a constant baby face. Because when you're that size of a wrestler, like how are people supposed to boo you, especially if you're like beating a bigger wrestler, you know? Dude, that's so funny. You took the word. Like, I was thinking about being like, oh, you know what? Like, they could have done the Rey Mysterio storyline like a few years before WCW ended up doing it. And it's funny because, like, right as I was thinking that, you said Rey Mysterio. And <laughs> that's kind of what, you know, it's kind of really what it was, dude. Like, he, Vince had an, a, you know, a, almost an endless supply of big guys in his locker room. He could have, you know, worked his way up through every one of them. Didn't have to beat every single one of them. But if he at least looked you know, like he was giving them a good fight. You know, it would have built, helped build the character that much more. Um, like I said, I, I don't mean to shit on him now because, you know, he did, still did a great job with the character. And the character still somehow became iconic despite, you know, not being being his, you know, his, his shortest and one of his shorter incarnations. Um, but still, man, like, yeah, fuck. They could have they had Rey Mysterio basically years before. They could have even thrown him in a mask. You know what I'm saying? Like, fuck, I don't, I don't know. Maybe he didn't like his face. I don't know. I heard uh, Vince didn't like Christian's face. <laughs> um, maybe he didn't like uh, Waltman's face. I don't know, dude. But like his, because obviously you've heard you you've heard the the reputation that he had back then. I, I did too. He was the measuring stick. You know, what I'm saying like he's one of those guys where where you know, what I'm saying like he's one of the workhorses where if they wanted to know if someone could go, you throw him in there with kid, and kid would come back and give the locker room a report of you know this guy can or can't go. So I don't know, man. Like it's it, it's really really weird that that they did they left so much on the table with the one two three kid character. Yeah, you know, um, 
I I guess I I get it, uh, but at the same time, the he was just so talented. And I also think that uh, Eric Bischoff talks about this, but like he also had a certain street cred about him. I know he had like a tough upbringing in Minneapolis, and so I would have brought that out more. And like even on some of some of his entrances, he'll like throw up like signs and stuff, and it looks so cool. That and I think too sweet was his as well. So uh, I could be wrong on that, but I guess my point is I think he had an underrated uh, eye for the business, and especially coming from like a street level, that um, maybe because it was like a cartoonish time. And uh, but I think he was just uh, ahead of that, and he was he they could have brought out a more attitude era um, death in that face term, but. Again, hindsight's twenty twenty, and this was also like 1994, 95, so we're still a couple years from that. Oh, yeah, definitely, dude. It would have it been a little odd. But definitely, when, when you say that, it's present, especially later on as X-Pac, just like the, 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 the DX music in a different key, you know what I'm saying, and with a little bit more of a rap kind of influence on it, and then just the, the, the mannerisms and just the way he carried himself as X-Pac, you can totally see that he was a fucking badass, you know what I'm saying? And like, yeah. It's like you kind of – I kind of wish like he was – he had that kind of, you know, way to carry him of himself as the one two three kid. It would have been cool to see what that character would have been like. But like you said, hindsight is definitely t- 2020. Um, something crazy that – something crazy that I, uh, that I didn't even really honestly realize until – and it's crazy because it's a moment that's like burned into so many wrestling fans' <laughs> minds. I, I can't believe that I didn't really realize it. Um, Sean Wallman's the only click member. That's not at Madison Square Garden for the curtain call. It's, it's you know it's it's. Why is that, Dino? Yeah, actually, yeah, dude, he was at a drug rehab. At least that's what. No story way. Is. Yeah, he was rehabbing at the time, and that's why he's not um, at Madison Square Garden. Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure, you know, if you know that that's what the rumor is, dude. I don't want to come out here and be like, uh, but obviously we know he he battled his demons and he's. Obviously, he's doing a lot better now, which is super dope. Uh, shout out to, to Sean Waltman. He's a follower. He's, he's, he's a flashbacker. So shout out to him, man. I'm, I'm obviously a big fan. Um, but yeah, man, he, I almost didn't even fucking register it. I always, for whatever reason, even though I've seen that clip a million times, like I don't know why. Even though I know it's four, dude. I knew it was four of them. Like I don't know why I just thought he – because you, know, you say the click. And, and and the curtain call, and you just assume that they were all involved in it, but he he wasn't. He wasn't there. I wonder, um, had he been there, if the heat would have fallen on him instead of Triple H, which obviously would have impacted the future considerably. Exactly right, because he already had what they call that X Pac heat. You know what I'm saying? So so yeah, he looks like he would have been the natural selection for Vince to just keep on fucking you know piling on. And who knows what would have happened. Yeah, definitely Triple H might have still been in line for the 96 King of the Ring, which means Austin doesn't get it, which that could drastically change the, <laughs> the, the, you know, the course of history. So, yeah, man, it's, it's crazy. That's but crazy. Not, that's he was really not crazy. there, man. He was not there. Um, and that's pretty much the end of his, of his, of his run. Uh, I told you that the last match he has comes in May of, of 96 against Savio Vega. It's his last televised match. Um, and he's gone, dude. The one, two, three kid is no longer there. Uh, pops up at six and WCW. But that's another episode for another time, uh, <laughs> bro. Overall impression of the one, two, three kid. Like I said, I think he was ahead of his time. I remember resonating with him as a kid. I thought 
I thought he was super cool, you know, uh, because of the high flying and because uh, he almost he had he had a baby face that he looked like a teenager. And so as a little kid, you really looked up because uh, like that cool older brother vibe about him. Uh, but he was also like tough because he was the young looking kid that was going against these giant dudes. And so uh, it was just so easy to root for him that even now, I think that um, if I was Sean Waldman, I would be playing up nostalgia on one, two, three kid. I know that X-Pac has been like his main character for a really long time, but um, especially for our generation, I think the one, two, three kid is synonymous with wrestling uh, back in that time period. Definitely, dude. I don't know if you're any if you're a collector of any sort of you know wrestling stuff or anything like that, but he is um, one of the rarest uh, WWF Hasbro's and the most expensive WWF Hasbro's. Oh, that, interesting. That, that's out there. He comes from, uh, believe it's the fuck. I don't even know what the the green card the green card line, which is I think it's the final the final line of of WWF uh, Hasbro action figures before they they move over to I think Jack Jack specific or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's one of the rarest ones, dude. And I've I've been fucking dying to get my hands on him, but it's like, <laughs> it's like 300, 300 bucks for a used wow. one shit on eBay. So um, a carded crazy. one will, a carded one will land you a pretty penny if you, if you guys ever happen to stumble onto one. But he's you know he's just I don't know man. It's just he's got this crazy fucking status and just like I don't know the the name the 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 moves, just everything about the kid, bro. It, it it's he's become, you know, legendary in his own right for that era for sure. And with for guys like you and me, where you know, so like he we looked up to him, bro. So um, and yeah, it's 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 pretty it's pretty crazy how how far he's come, man. And and obviously I'm I'm glad that he got you know closer to the main event for sure. Still never to me he never achieved uh, the success that he should have. Uh, like you said, he's got a guy that had potential to be a WWF champion and, and, and to be, you know, a, a big, pl- big time player, but obviously, you know, wasn't, that's not how it completely worked out. Uh, but still overall, man, legendary, the one, two, three kid, Sean Waltman, Xbox six, six pack, whatever you want to call him. <laughs> the man is a fucking legend. Um, let me ask you, bro, before we get into the main game, uh, let me get a couple of dream matches. Uh, from for, from back, give me one from back in a day, and then give me one from now. Um, I, I'm trying to think. Uh, I would lo- I would have loved in the same way that we had Brett and One Two Three Kid. Uh, I don't ever remember like a twenty twenty five minute One Two Three Kid Shawn Michaels match. Uh, I'm sure that they did wrestle each other a bunch, but uh, I'm trying to think of like a main event, like WrestleMania level encounter between them. Uh, I think that would have been awesome, and maybe it has happened quite a bit, and I just can't remember off the top of my head the, the best match, but I think that would be, from that time period, uh, an awesome match. Um, oh, yeah, dude. I definitely agree. Uh, they actually they, they, they had a couple of matches, but in those matches, it was more – to it was they were more kind of like – I don't want to say squash matches for Sean, but they were kind of like – they used it was in the in the feud with with Razor and Sean, and they kind of used Kid as a pawn. You know what I'm saying? Like kind of mm-hmm. for Sean to beat up on and 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 to lure Razor out and kind of shit like that. So it, it, they never made it like, dude, uh, uh, Sean versus the one two three kid for for the Intercontinental Title. Like let's say in a, maybe let's reimagine it and say in a ladder match. Maybe after Razor can't get the job done, the kid challenges Sean to a ladder match, and they and they have one. 
who knows, man? Maybe that would have been classic, or just even even them having a, a let's say like a SummerSlam match or a, a Survivor Series match. That, that would have been some some special for sure. Give me a, like an in your house, and I would be all about that. I think it for sure would be classic. Oh, for, for sure, dude. I I I I agree. It would have been some like in your house, the battle of the kids, <laughs> the one two three kid versus the heartbreak kid. <laughs> uh, that would have been awesome, dude. Um, I like that one. That that and mine's kind of similar because this is a guy that I thought was kind of WCW's version of Sean, and 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 just in the in ring um, sense. I, I mean, I love I love the I love this other guy, but I mean, he there's only one Sean. You know what I'm saying? But this guy's a legend too, and I would have loved to seen him go up one against the one two three kid. Um, and it's Flying Brian, Flying Brian Pillman. Oh, nice. uh, early early nineties Pillman and the one two three kid. Oh, fuck, dude. I, I can't even – it would have been a hell of a fucking match. Yeah, yeah, that would have been great. Um, what about current day, bro? Who would you like to see, you know, peak one, two, three kid if you could turn down to step into a time machine and come out of it and, and be the one, two, three kid again? At his peak, who would you like to see him go up against nowadays? Anybody, WWE, AEW, or any indies guy, Japan, anywhere? Yeah, um, my initial instinct was going to say Ricochet, but um, like I said, I love a good – David versus Goliath, and so I think one, two, three, kid, and like Braun Strowman or Brock Lesnar, I think that would be awesome because people like like you know Lesnar, they one suplex, one German suplex could send him like out of the ring, and I would just be so into watching him make that comeback and um, overcome being ragdolled. You know, a little bit kind of how like the SummerSlam main event with uh, Rollins was. Uh, I would love to see that against uh, one, two, three, kid. Oh man, that's a Great answer, honestly, bro. Because um, I was thinking more along the lines of, you know, guys, smaller guy. I was going to say Finn Balor. I- I'd like to see that. Oh, Finn yeah. Finn that'd be great. But I really like the idea you had. Fuck. And, and, and not to spin off too much, but yeah, bro, that match with Seth and, and, and Brock, that's like the best wrestling match that I've seen Brock have in, a, in, in quite a while. I and, loved um, it. That has a lot to do with Rollins. Rollins brought a lot out of him, but Brock played the beast to fucking perfection it's been a minute since i seen him you know what I'm saying? like aj styles he had a couple glimpses him and daniel had a pretty good match but that match that that was a good match right there um definitely. i loved it it was great yeah same here dude I, I was a big fan of it and it, it i was i was i'm a cynical bastard sometimes so I, I, <laughs> I went into the match not expecting much i was just like well you know wrestlemania was cool it was a cool moment but the match itself wasn't great it was kind of quick and everything and and so I kind of went into it expecting some sort of, you know, shenanigans and for it not to be a straight up match. But then it was and they told the story with it. Fuck, dude, I loved it. Yeah, I mean, uh, SummerSlam overall, I was pretty low going into it. I didn't have much, much expectations, but that match crushed it. It was uh, a huge favorite of mine. And the event overall was actually pretty damn good. Yeah, I agree, dude. You know, not to make, not to, not to spin off too much, but yeah, I definitely agree. <laughs> SummerSlam, SummerSlam was awesome, dude. It, it, it exceeded my expectations which i mean it, it's you know it, it's good when wwe can do that when they can exceed expectations because uh, i mean i feel like everybody's so into shitting on wwe right now including <laughs> myself right. i'm not gonna pass the fucking buck bro and I, I shit on them a lot too so i won't i won't you know not take my blame but they, i think they it's a, a good uh reminder that they're still the biggest wrestling company they can still do a heck of a job when they want to you know oh yeah absolutely dude absolutely and Dude, now that now that you know, speaking of Finn Balor and speaking of SummerSlam, his match with the Fiend, I'm liking that character so much. I'm already ready to jump all in, bro. Maybe him and the one, two, three kid is a fucking <laughs> yeah. Three that actually that would have been awesome. That would have been great. I've been totally into that. Fuck yeah, dude. Me too. Um, but hey, man, let's jump into a little bit of name game. Um, 
the one, two, three kid, uh, Sean Waltman, is one of the greatest WWE Cruiserweight champions. Uh, he ends up holding the Cruiserweight title later on as Xbox. Like I said, he becomes the the um, the only man to hold WCWs and WWEs at the same time. Uh, so I want to see where you where you rank Sean Waltman as with some of the other great Cruiserweights uh, of that era. That sounds great. Oh, so let me let me uh, specify WWE cruiserweight so that or guys that were WWE cruiserweight champions. I, I want to specify because because or else I could go all day with the WCW. Ones. <laughs> right, but yeah. um, um, Sean Waltman or Tajiri. And when I say Waltman, I know this is the one two three kid episode, but I, I mean for like as as Waltman as X Pac all that stuff. So um, Waltman or Tajiri. I love Tajiri's kicks, but he just didn't quite hit that level of Sean Waltman, so I gotta go with Waltman on that one. Yeah, dude, I love Tajiri's kicks too. He, he really, when they said Japanese buzzsaw, like, I don't know why his kicks still reminded me of a buzzsaw, but they really did, man, so I love Tajiri, but it's still it's still Waltman for me too. Um, what about Waltman or Takamichi Noku, the first WWF Light Heavyweight Champion? Yeah, um, again, um, I think he was great. I think he was a lot of fun. I think the thing that made Sean Waltman special, though, is that he was able to transcend uh, some of those ceilings that a lot of uh, cruiserweights like Taka and Tajiri had. Like he, even though he didn't quite get the main event level status, he still became into prominence, you know. And Taka was always just confined to that light cruiserweight. No one really took him serious beyond that. And so um, I got to go Sean Waltman again. Yeah, I, I, I agree with what you're saying, bro, and I got to go with Waltman too. But let me add this real quick to it. Could you imagine, like, no disrespect to WWE or, you know, to Vince and all that, but just he was, to me, he was never been great. Even to nowadays, he's never been great booking cruiserweights. You know, his his, his forte is booking big guys and, you know, giants and shit like that. Um, he's never been good. Can you imagine, because Taka Michinoku at the time was one of the top, you know what I'm saying, like prospects on the planet, one of the top, you know, in, in his weight class. Could you imagine what it would have been like if Taka, if they lose out on Taka and Taka goes to WCW with some of those uh, WCW cruiserweights? Mm, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, and they, I feel like Taka was the only one that they kind of did anchor the cruiserweight division, like, which kind of wasted him then because they didn't have anybody else, you know? Exactly. That's what I think. I feel, I feel like Taka's, you know, no disrespect to, you know, uh, Brian, um, to Brian Lawler, to, I mean, sorry, Brian Christopher. Um, and and uh, who is it? Papi Chulo. I think he was Aguila at the time, and uh, Scott Putzky and stuff like that. Like, man, that division was so thin, bro. That it really, <laughs> at the end of the day, was it was just Taka and then a bunch of nobodies. With all due respect, um, where it, yeah, it kind of wasted him, dude. And I could only imagine what it would have been like had he gone to WCW and had the likes of the Ultimo Dragon to face, the Rey Mysterios, the Psychosis, the Juventudes, the the Jerichos, the Malenkos, the Benoits, the Guerreros. Like, fuck, dude. It, it, Taka could have had a lot. His career would have been a lot different, to say the least, had he gone to WCW instead of instead of WWE. Um, totally. But let me, let's move on to this one. Uh, Sean Waltman or Chavo Guerrero Jr.? Interesting. Um, uh, Chavo's doing a lot of big things right now. Uh, he's actually, you know, he's still going. He, he's had a long career. Um, that's definitely much closer. The the I think the shadow of Eddie always kind of prevented Chavo from really going to the uh, upper upper crust of you know WWE. But um, he's still 
you know, he's like coordinating, I think, wrestling for Glow and stuff. He's still doing a lot of stuff, but uh, I think I'll still go Sean Waltman. Yeah, this one is definitely closer. Uh, and this one's hard for me too, man, because I'm a huge Guerrero guy. I'm, 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 I'm a huge Chavo fan. And like you, I feel like, you know, had his last name been anything else, like in, in most cases, that last name helped so much. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. And in, in, in Chavo Jr.'s case, I feel like because of Eddie, it just, you know, like he, him and Eddie, like his, his peak was with Eddie. You know what I'm saying? Los Guerreros. That's the height of Chavo's career. But at the same time, it's just like he could have done, you know what I'm saying? Like he could have done more like had his his last name just been anything else you know what i'm saying like he could have been a bigger star um and and as much as it breaks my heart dude it's i i, I love chavo but it's but it's waltman just waltman had a he 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 did more with it as, as fucked up as it is to say and i had to specify chavo guerrero jr at the beginning of this because chavo senior has also been the the cruiserweight the wwe yeah. cruiserweight <laughs> champion or should i say chavo classic yeah mm-hmm. but what that. about this one dude um sean waltman or gregory helms aka the hurricane shout out to the hurricane he's a follower too oh sweet awesome yeah i uh i've, I've listened to him on keeping it 100 a few times uh again he's he's kind of like chavo where he's actually pretty active in the industry probably more so than sean waltman um you know he had those huge segments with the rock um so he definitely has had an impact on the business um for me, I think uh, because Sean Waltman played such a critical part of that new generation, and he was so ahead of his time, that I still have to give the edge to him. Yeah, I agree, dude. And I, I love the Hurricane characters. <laughs> I mean, this is an era at the time, well, we must have been like 13, 14, maybe 15 um when the hurricane starts to come into prominence with wwe and it's like you're starting to be a teenager and now you're now you now kayfabe is completely broken and you know what the deal is and a character comes out that's supposed to be like a superhero and it's supposed to be cheesy so you really shouldn't like it but the motherfucker plays it so well that it's <laughs> so hard not to like i remember seeing it and i'm like oh fuck dude they made him a superhero and then like within you know, like segments, like a matter of two, three segments, the Hurricane's one of my favorite <laughs> characters on WWE television. You know what I'm saying? Like, he played that character so well, and just the, the little intricacies that he added to it, and the, you know what I'm saying, like the pose, and then the, just everything that he would do, man. It was, it, it was so, so well done. To the fact, to the point where a couple of years ago, when, when it was the Royal Rumble and the Hurricane's music hit, he got one of the biggest fucking big pops, dude. He got a really big pop. He got a, huge pop and he's still nowadays is still out on the you know what i'm saying like making the, i think it was comic-con earlier this year he, he made an appearance as the hurricane so i i think it's freaking awesome dude i love the hurricane but still just ever so slightly i think waltman gets him because like you said of just that, what he was as as the one two three kid and then what how important of a, of a role he played in the attitude era as x-pac and just overall I think Waltman is that a little bit more important than, than Helms was to that title. Um, last two guys, they held the WWE title. Obviously, they're a little more you know remembered for their WCW days. Uh, but uh, Billy Kidman or Sean Waltman? Um, so I, I wasn't as big into WCW, but I, I definitely have memories, especially of my childhood friends that were into WCW. They swore by Billy Kidman as like, the coolest wrestler in the world. And in a lot of ways, he might've been more athletically superior to Sean Waltman 
um, especially, you know, with the Shooting Star Press and um, just the things he was doing. It was almost the upgraded version just a couple years later. But um, I'm also a traditionalist. And I like I said, the, the fact that without I don't think you have a Billy Kidman without a Sean Waltman. You know, and so with for that, I, I got to give it to Edge to one, two, three kid. Dude, I was such a huge bill. Like I was convinced Billy Kidman was going to be the next, you know, fucking guy uh, in WCW. The first time I saw Kidman and, you know, he was part of Raven's flock. It was that storyline that was going down. And, and, you know, he's he's just he busts out the shooting star. And I'm just like, holy shit. And then he just – he doesn't even rest, have uh, have wrestling ties. He's just like in shorts and a tank top and shit. And he's got the long <laughs> hair. And um, I don't know, man. I was I was super in – I was a huge Kidman fan in WCW for sure. Uh, Filthy Animals days. I, I love that time. He was a great cruiserweight champion there. And then I thought like, you know, WWE, if he could just go to WWE. And then he does end up going to WWE as part of the invasion. He comes in as a cruiserweight champion. He's actually the guy that uh, X-Pac beats – to unify or to be, you know, to simultaneously hold both the cruiserweight type, type championships for both guys, for both companies. Um, but it just never worked out, dude. And then it seemed like he kind of bulked up in WWE when he was there. And then he, he cut the hair and it just, I don't know, man. To me, once he cut the hair and he started wearing tights and he and he bulked up, like he just wasn't Kidman to me. He wasn't Kidman to me anymore, man. Like he was just, I mean, he is some guy that had the same name to me. Um, Still a big Kidman fan, obviously. Like I respect for what he did. He was, I'm not sure if he's still working with the company. I know he was with them uh, in, in a backstage role uh, a couple years ago. But, yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, big Kidman fan, but still got to give the edge to Waltman. Yeah, it's, um, it's almost – it feels like he went through the same obstacles that 1-2-3-Kid was going for. But in WCW and in, you know, 97-98, like I remember him being awesome, but at the same time, he kind of hit that ceiling where I think he could have been a WCW champion. Yeah, he, he definitely, he was hot at one point, dude, like the Kidman character, and especially when he breaks from the flock and he's just, like I said, and I don't know, man. And then, and then he had, and similar to, <laughs> similar to the one, two, three kid, he has a match with Brett that everybody's like, okay, cool. That's the turning point. You know what I'm saying? Like, cause his match with Brett is, is it, it, it was pretty good. And then, um, Brett was one of those guys where he, he believed in Kidman. You know what I'm saying? Like he thought Kidman was, was going to be a star and it's just nothing ever comes out of it dude you know he, he has that he has that program with hogan kind of too and and, and nothing comes out of that and yeah man i don't know just a, a missed opportunity fucking weird it really is dude it really <laughs> fucking is like sometimes you think shit will be dope and then you try it and then you're just like oh i guess i guess not you know <laughs> like and then that's and then it's so fragile that it's kind of that easy you know as fucked up as it is to say it's that simple but mm-hmm. um but hey man last one um Sean Waltman, or he's, I mean, arguably the, the greatest cruiserweight of all time, definitely the greatest luchador of all time, argu- arguably the greatest WCW cruiserweight champion of all time. I don't know if he's necessarily in the conversation really as a, as a WWE cruiserweight champion, but Sean Waltman or Rey Mysterio? Yeah, I was waiting for this name, and um, this is definitely the one to where I think Ray has the edge on him just because um even though without sean waltman he might not have had that opportunity uh ray mysterio he he took that ball and he like ran with it you know and so um he he, he's still going too and he's still actually having really good matches i mean anytime he wrestles uh andrade like it's a great match you know and i think he's still capable of putting on high level performances 
And in a lot of ways, I think he should be utilized even better in WWE, you know? Um, and so I hope he does. Uh, so I get to give it to Rey Mysterio. He's a, he's a bona fide legend. Yeah, this one's easy for me. Love Wallman. Super, you know, influential and one of the pioneers of, of, of the smaller guys. But Ray, if he's, you know what I'm saying, like if he's, you know, I, I don't even know if he's, if he's the Kobe of, of that division, then, you know, Ray's the Michael Jordan, you know, he's just a little bit above him because Ray's that guy, bro, you know, the only guy that really transcend that division or the first guy really to transcend that division and, and, and jump up into the heavyweight division to the main event division and, and, and do it. And, you know, he's, he was the world champion, three time world champion in WWE. That's, that's nothing to, you know, the balk at, to balk at, um, super influential the moves are legendary uh and ray's one of those guys man where you like you said every time he has a match with andrade nowadays it's awesome but then sometimes i feel like ray was one of those guys where it almost to me it it would have been to his benefit to just stay as a free agent you know what i'm saying like to be a freelance guy because he was just when when ray was freelance you know what i'm saying he was he was main eventing he was main eventing all in he was um, main eventing triple manias. He was all over the all over Mexico. He was all over the Indies. He, he was in in Japan too. And now it's just like I don't know. It's just like he's just a, a, now I feel like he's like a borderline legend. You know what I'm saying? Like to what Big Show almost to what Big Show was a few years ago. Where he's like he's just there, but he's there to put I people that, over. Yeah, when you even just like talking out loud, I was like, you know what? I think in AEW he would probably be in the main event. And obviously he was at uh, All In, but um, I think if he was on AEW and uh, you know on TNT in October, I think he's in the main event scene for the next at least year or two. Exactly, dude. Like, could you imagine? Could you imagine Ray and AEW right now? MJF going after him? Could you, that would like, be awesome. Like Ray is so fucking babyface and so over as a babyface, and MJF is so hot right now as a heel that that would you know what I'm saying like MJF hair versus. Uh, versus mask match, you know what I'm saying? Uh, against oh, that'd Ray. be great. I'd be into it. Could you imagine that? Like, it'd be so fucking awesome that it. Yeah, I I hope that his contract is over soon, and and I hope he makes a jump, dude, because I think Ray would be way better utilized in outside of the walls of WWE. Like, even though he's reached some great success in WWE and his greatest success, um, I just I don't know, man. I still don't ever feel like Vince knew how to work, how to handle Ray, how to book Ray correctly. Totally. And his, you know, obviously it's been well documented that his uh, 2006 run was it was awesome because he became champion, but it was always destined to fail because Vince just can't mentally get to that point with that size of wrestler sometimes, you know, and um, it's like, dude, he can at least beat somebody while he's champion, you know. Exactly. That's, and you made a great point, dude. He just Vince can never see it. And if he can't see it, then it's destined to not if not fail then at least not live up to potential you know what i'm saying so yeah it, it sucks for ray because yeah that 2006 after that moment that should have been magic after that like you the story wrote itself and then it did and then all you have to do is continue it and and, and flourish off of it and he just really couldn't do it because he was never mentally into it like that um but yeah it's ray man it's it's ray over over waltman um last category though underdogs Sean Waltman, one, two, three kid is probably the the like I said, arguably has the biggest upset in WWF history, WWE history, uh, when he defeats the one uh, when he defeats Razor Ramon. So we're gonna see where you rank the one, two, three kid with some of the other uh, underdogs in WWE history. First one, the one, two, three kid or Crash Holly, the super heavy. <laughs> <one. laughs> 
love Crash Alley. Um, I I think that he overexcelled a lot in the hardcore division, but I definitely have to go with Sean on this one. Yeah, dude, I I love the one two three kid. It's it's that one's easy for me. Even though fucking Crash Holly is the original R Truth, uh, just in nineteen ninety nine, two thousand. Um, but yeah, he he put that that division on his shoulders for he was, he was super, made it super entertaining. Uh, but it's it's the one two three kid easily, bro. Um, what about this one, the one two three kid or Spike Dudley? I that's a great one. I actually I love Spike Dudley. I think. I think he's one of the craziest people I've ever seen. I've I've watched YouTube videos, like compilation videos of him just bumping and going through tables. And it's insane that that man is still alive because he has done some wild things to his body. Um, Dude, and, his feud, his feud with Mike Awesome, in, like it's in and of its own. That's one of my favorite fucking uh, ECW feuds ever. And then just fuck, he was just throwing him around like like the Dudleys. He, even, you know, Bubba Ray and Devon were fucking him up, but Mike Awesome took that shit to another level, dude. He was just chucking him all over the fucking place. So I'm right there with you, dude. I love, I love Spike Dudley, too. Yeah. Uh, I, I In a weird way, just because I do have that soft spot in my heart for Spike Dudley, it's pretty neck and neck, even though, like, if you go on the basis of, you know, um, how far somebody went, then, like, yeah, Sean Wallman takes it. Um, but I, I think... I think Spike Dudley is going to age with like uh, an increasing occult following because he was just a wild child. Yeah, I'm going to go with Spike too, dude. Believe it or not, uh, those matches were that, you know what I'm saying, like that impactful to me as a kid. Like I remember – and Spike Dudley was ECW world champion. Let's not fucking overlook that. Like people can say whatever the fuck they want, but ECW was a promotion and he was the world champion of it. Um, And uh, I feel like Spike's character of the underdog – he he stuck with that a little bit more than than obviously when Xbox still like an underdog, but it's kind of like this unspoken thing. Like with the one two three kid, it was always like he's definitely the underdog, but I feel like he eventually aged out. You know what I'm saying? Like he he aged out of that a little bit, and uh, where Spike still didn't. Like even in WWE, he was always you know the the runt of the Dudley litter. He was always the underdog. Right, and he he was able to make a career out of that. Which uh, and as far as he went in WWE, I mean he was having matches against. Stone Cold Steve Austin in 2001. And the fact that he never did evolve past the underdog character is a pretty good testament to how hard he committed to that character. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of my point. The, the fact that he, he stayed, he, you know what I'm saying? Like, eventually X-Pac was, you know, like I said, he was kind of the unspoken underdog, but they never played on that. Where for Spike Dudley, it was always, he was always the underdog. Everything, every match he had was, that was, you know what I'm saying, like, the whole the whole premise of it was that he was the underdog. Um, but what about this one, man? The one, two, three kid or Eddie Guerrero? Eddie Guerrero, now in hindsight, we look at him and we're like, yeah, it's Eddie. He's a legend. But, dude, going into that match against Brock, could you think of a bigger underdog? Like, I knew for a fact. I'm like, okay, cool. We're on our way to Angle versus Lesnar part two. You know what I'm saying? At WrestleMania. Like, Eddie's just a road. It's just a speed bump. And then he wins, dude. And then it's Eddie's in the, in the WrestleMania title match. And I don't know, man. So one, two, three kid or Eddie? Yeah, you know, in the same way we were talking about how the one, two, three kid is that legend has grown, you know, with the, like the Brett match and it's it, it looking back, he's become almost like a groundswell of a cult classic following. But Eddie Guerrero, his legend is like growing and growing and growing constantly still. He's almost like a 
like a like a new age version of like Bruce Lee, you know, where like he's so revered as like uh, such an icon that um, it's hard not to go with him in this case, just because um, since his passing, he's done nothing but uh, have his legend increase. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's crazy that you say that, man, because it's <laughs> he really is like his his legend grows more and more every day, um, dude. Just because I was there, like, because like we said earlier, we, we we relived the moment a million times through replays. But I remember, you know, vividly going into that match against Brock. Like, I remember thinking, like, I was it was never more of a sure thing. I was just like, oh, that sucks. You know, I wish they would actually give Eddie a shot. Like, I wish he wasn't just like a filler match going into WrestleMania. That's kind of fucked up. And then he won, and my fucking jaw hit the floor, and then my head hit the ceiling because of how high <laughs> he jumped, bro. Like. I was the biggest fucking Eddie fan in the world at that time. Um, I, I'm still a huge Eddie fan. Uh, Eddie Guerrero's actually my very first hit that I ever had on Flashback Wrestling um, on, on the on the Flashback Wrestling page. Uh, I posted the video of Eddie defeating Brock Lesnar for the title, and that's you know that's my first hit, bro. Like if shit went, got a bunch of likes and a bunch of comments, and but I got a bunch of follows off of it, and then I never fucking looked back since then. Um, so Eddie's always going to have a special place in my heart, dude. So for that reason, I, and, and the fact that it happens in a title match, to me, it's Eddie Guerrero. Uh, but I still love Waltman. That's awesome, man. That's a, I think that's a testament, too, to that, like, a lot of those hits are sure are, like, people, obviously, I'm sure you have, like, a lot of nostalgic-based viewers, but it's cool that in 2019, people can still discover those moments, you know? For sure, dude. I definitely agree. Um Dude, these these last few are they're they're well, one of them's pretty obvious, and then the other two are. I'm really interested to see on what you what you think about these ones. Uh, the first one's gonna be Daniel Bryan or the one two three kid, bigger underdogs. Yeah, uh, as soon as you name this category, that's who I automatically went to. And Daniel Bryan's like one of my favorite wrestlers of all time now, and every he, everything he keeps doing, he keeps getting better. You know, uh, I think he's an incredible talent. And I think he's a true artist, you know, I think for someone to retire the way he did come back last year and I'll say that WWE totally eh, fucked up his return in a lot of ways that he should be the number one baby face in the company. But he was smart enough to realize, look, this uh, this didn't go as planned. I'm not going to bitch and moan and complain. I'm going to turn heel and and uh make it even better and make the most of it and do what i do best and i respect someone like him and i really like can relate to someone that just likes to do their thing you know and so when i look at him i just see someone that really likes wrestling and they're really good at it they take their ego out and they do whatever it is they think is gonna be good and more often than not whatever he does is pretty damn good yeah man dude I'm right there with you. I'm a huge Daniel Bryan fan. I was in the building uh, at SummerSlam 2014. I want to say wow. when he uh, won when he won the title from Cena, uh, the fucking place erupted. And then when fucking Orton cashes in on him, when Triple H pedigrees him, like the the air went out of the building. Like it was it was so awesome. But anyway, I, I was there, bro. And I, I love Waltman. Love the one two three kid. Massive underdog. Probably the original underdog. Um, but fuck, Daniel Bryan is you know. And even 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 higher than Ray, you know. I know disrespect to Ray, but I think Daniel Bryan is like the the example of where where 
you know, in, in the spots where Ray failed, how where Daniel exceeded, he was. But the thing, the thing is that I think Daniel has an advantage, and it's something you already mentioned. He could turn heel. You know what I'm saying? Like he was a. It's I could never Ray could never be heel. No, no matter how hard he tries. Um, but the Daniel character, the way he was able to evolve it and adapt it, uh, fuck man, so much respect for that guy. He, he, they told him his career was over. Didn't take that for an answer. Came back, fucking re, revived his career, and is now hotter than ever. I, he's arguably the best heel that they have in that company right now, which is crazy to say because for for years he was the unrivaled top babyface in that company. Even while he was on the fucking bench, on the fence, you know what I'm saying? Like injured, he was still the top babyface in that company. Um, so to me, it's Daniel Bryan hands down, dude. Yeah, he's uh he's awesome. Like he's probably uh, top five wrestlers for me all time. I, I love him. I'm a huge fan of his. And that's not even a hot take, dude. You know, some people would think that's a, I don't think that's a hot take at all. I think Daniel's done so much and has accomplished so much and reinvented he's himself. He's not done yet, too, which and is he, awesome. He's not done. Exactly. He's not done. That's fuck, dude. All right, last two, dude. These are a little interesting and I obviously the last one I'm saving especially for you, bro. But this one <laughs> this one's just this one's just uh I don't know, man. Um the one, two, three kid or Zach Gowan. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, I like Zach a lot. Um, obviously, he's an ultimate underdog. <laughs> uh, I think that he probably excelled farther than he ever thought he would at a really young age. I think his run was he was only in his early 20s. So for him to do that was awesome. Um, I think given the lasting power of Sean Waltman and the evolution and the impact, I got to give him um, the victory on this one. Yeah, I agree. Just for, you know what I'm saying? Like, like you said, the lasting power and the longevity overall of Waltman and, and, and being, being playing that role, I got to give it to him too. But if we're just going like, you know, just in just total peak of being, of being hot and of being over, fuck, dude, it'd be a lot closer. Because Gowan for those, for those, fuck, like what, five, six months in 2003 – was over as a motherfucker, uh, <laughs> ultimate babyface. When he took that beating, that fucking abusive beating from Brock Lesnar, where he Crazy. threw him against the dude, I was like, "What the fuck?" And then he got <laughs> thrown down a flight of steps, and just like, dude, it, it, Zach Gowan was crazy as shit, down as shit. My respects to him. He did some shit that fucking two-legged people can't even do. Um, right. So that respect for him. And while he was there, you know, some 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 stars. Fade away slowly. Some stars shine so brightly, and you know, eventually put, go go extinguished. Um, he was one of those that shined very brightly while he was lit, because uh, he he was in there with Mr. McMahon. He was in there with Mr. America, with you know, what I'm saying Hulk Hogan, Stephanie McMahon. He was he was in there with the elites at his time, man. Some shit, shit that you know, guys his age were would have killed for at the time, and even you know, even now, millions of people that would have killed for that spot. So. Shout out to Zach Gallon for being able to do it, bro. Because um, he, he was in there with some big – I mean, bro, I, I don't know about you, but the, the arm wrestling match with Mr. McMahon where he kicks his leg out from under him, that'll forever be burning my mind. Oh, totally. Uh, I think anytime a wrestler can get in the ring with Vince McMahon and have a storyline with him, you're etched in history at that point, and no one can take that away from you. Absolutely, dude. I couldn't put it better myself. Uh, all right, man, the last one. The one, two, three kid, or the one of the ultimate underdogs in professional wrestling history, um, as Tony Schiavone would put it, put that'll put butts in the seats. Uh, 
Mick Foley, one of the most <laughs> unexpected world championship victories ever. So Mankind, Mick Foley, or the one, two, three kid, Sean Waltman? Uh, well, you already gave me a heads up. So, um, yeah, you know that I'm a huge Mankind fan. Uh, Got to go with Mick Foley. Um, he's, again, he's so well noted for how he rose to the ranks and how he overexcelled and overachieved that that's just so easy to cheer for someone that never was supposed to be in the position that they got to. And uh, I think he's such a genuine, authentic person that uh, his commitment to the industry is unparalleled. And um, yeah, I, uh, I think that um, uh, he's one of the best underdogs in any category, not just wrestling, but entertainment. Yeah, I, I agree, dude. Um, I say this one, obviously, because I know you're a Foley fan. I'm a Foley fan, too. And that moment, see, Shivani ruined it for a lot of people. I'm not one of those people. At that time, I was channel flipping, just like you know a lot of good wrestling fans back in the late 90s. But I must have already been on WWF programming because I don't recall Tony spoiling that for me. And so the minute at the end of the show when, when Mankind hits the fucking one, two, three and becomes champion is – it, it's i'll always remember that moment bro i couldn't believe it you know what i'm saying like my reaction was just like holy shit did that really happen like when stone cold came out i was like no way i was and then he hits him with the chum like okay they're gonna call for the dq and then it doesn't happen he gets the one two three and he actually is holding the belt i was like okay dusty finish in three <laughs> two one and then it doesn't come and i'm like oh shit it starts to sink in like he's really the fucking champion at this point and yeah man it, it's it's a moment in history for sure um, for that reason, because he does it in the main event, does it for the world title, I gotta go also with with Mick Foley, dude. He, one, one of the, of the one of the biggest pops ever. of all time. Yeah, for sure, dude. Massive, massive fucking pop. <laughs> well deserved, dude. Well, well deserved. One of the best. Like I said, one of the best ever to do it. So shout out to Mick Foley, man. Um, yeah, that one was that one was pretty easy for me. Hey, bro. <laughs> that is going to wrap up the name game, and that's going to wrap up today's interview. Joe, I know you're a busy man, dude, doing big things now. You're in L.A., you're, you know what I'm saying, working on all sorts of projects. I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to come on a Flashback Wrestling and have a little chat with me about the one, two, three kid, man. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, and um, uh, congrats on the newest addition to the family coming up here, and uh, have a blast with that, buddy. Thanks, bro. I appreciate it, and we will talk to you real soon, all right? Thanks so much. Have a great night. All right, guys, what an awesome interview. My boy Joe crushed it again. That guy's fucking talented, man. He's going places. Don't forget where you guys heard Joe Clark first on Flashback Wrestling. Um, make sure you guys are staying caught up with him because he's obviously doing big things. Uh, that's going to wrap up today's episode. So that's the one, two, three kid in the books. Next week is our grand finale of this arc. It's going to wrap up in fucking style with the one and only Razor Ramon, Chico, the bad guy. Oozing fucking machismo. We're going out in style, guys. We're going out with a fucking blaze of glory. Um, so make sure you guys tune in next week for that. Make sure you guys are following me on social media. That's at Flashback Wrestling on Instagram, at FBW Podcast on Twitter. Make sure you guys are subscribing to me on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher. Check out all the awesome content on WrestlingExaminer.com. For WrestlingExaminer.com, I'm Wesley Avendano. This has been Flashback Wrestling, and I will catch you guys next week.